today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. This word has the idea of the sleight of hand. You've seen those guys where they have the three little cups and a little ball in between, and they're kind of moving them all around the table, and they ask you, okay, where is the ball now? They are purposefully deceiving you. They desire to deceive you, and that's what this whole idea is. And for believers to be that way with another believer or to be that way in any form or fashion, beloved, that's outside of the heart and the mind and the purpose of Christ in our lives. Peter says, man, we ought not treat people that way, particular believers. The devil is a liar and the father of lies. Therefore, those that deceive are doing the work of the enemy. In today's message, Pastor David admonishes us to never practice deception, especially inside the church with our brothers and sisters in Christ. The Bible says that God hates lies and a lying tongue. Lies destroy people's lives and can rip churches apart. Therefore, if we are to love each other as Christ first loved us, our lips should be full of God's grace and truth. Now here's Pastor David with part two of today's message, Acts of Grace, from the book of 1 Peter, chapter 2. James tells us in James 1, 21, he says, Lay aside all filthiness and the overflow of wickedness. He's talking to believers. He said, lay that aside. The same idea Paul tells us in Romans chapter 13 when he says, Let us cast off the works of darkness. That must mean that we as believers, that some are still doing works of darkness. And he says, hey, don't do that. Cast it off. He says in Ephesians 4.22, he says, put off concerning your former conduct, the old man. And I want to be gender uh, uh, sensitive here. So he says also not only the old man, but the old woman too, okay? <laughs> and it has nothing to do with chronological age. It has to do with spiritual reality of who you were and who you are now. And he says that there is a responsibility that you and I have as believers to say, you know what, I don't want to live that way anymore. I, I, I desire to put these things off. I desire to cast these things away because I want to live my life for the honor of my Lord Jesus. Paul, in almost an identical passage in the book of Colossians, In chapter 3, verse 8 through 10, writes, But now you yourselves, again, that personal responsibility, you yourselves are to put off all of these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. He's talking to believers. 
He tells us we need to put these things off. And then later on he says, and put on that new man who's renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. All of these, James, Paul, Peter, every one of them expressing the need for the individual believer to stop doing the wrong thing, stop having the attitude, stop having the actions that you know are evil, that you know that don't glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. And here in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, he directs the expression particularly in regards to our relationship with other believers. These are baby steps, gang. These are things that we ought to know right away as believers. These five attitudes, these actions that are actually pretty vile once you start looking at them and thinking about malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and evil speaking. There's a sourness in the, in the spirit that these things bring. It literally is, is a cancer to the soul that needs to be completely eradicated from our lives. And sometimes the removal of these things, it takes drastic steps in our lives. Many times, man, that takes an accountability that comes up and says, you know what? You know my life is, is is hypocrisy. You know that when I'm at church, I'm living this way, but I'm out in the world, I'm living this way. I, w- I want you to hold me accountable to that. You know, and, and again, to take those types of steps. And these types of sin, these types of sin in particular, they can destroy the very moral fiber of a fellowship. They can come and destroy individuals, they destroy families, and completely destroy church fellowships. And more than one church has been destroyed because of these kinds of sins. Where There's jealousy within the body. There's great hypocrisy within the body. There's deceit within the body. They destroy the harmony. They they destroy the trust that we look at within building up of the family of Christ. When, When Peter writes these things, as he's writing to a real, to a true group of believers just like you and I, Back in the first chapter, remember, back in verses 22 and 23, he speaks about the fact that because you are a believer, you should have within you and demonstrate in your life a sincere love towards other believers. Loving them with it, with an ever growing and intentional, a without ceasing kind of love, a love that's without corruption, a love that comes from a pure heart. In other words, always clean, always pure. And because of that, and in order to do that, he says you need to lay aside these things. The first one he says, lay aside all malice. And what is malice? Malice is, again, purposefully wicked ill will toward Another. In other words, it's having a hostility within your life toward another person with an evil intent. Having a total disregard for another person's well-being. There's a Latin phrase that, uh, I, I like the translation, but I don't speak Latin, so there's no sense in me even trying that. But the translation of the phrase I really like. It says that Latin is sour. It's the quality of an evil mind. 
I can't imagine someone having the mind of Christ and at the same time carrying around with them malice, particularly toward a brother or sister in Christ. That should be so foreign to us. And that's why it's so important when you and I are harmed by a a brother or a sister in Christ that we deal with it right away, right away. And the best way to deal with that is to take it to the cross and lay it before the Lord. Now, how many of you have, I know this may be odd and strange, but how many of you have ever been harmed by a brother or sister in Christ? Go ahead, be bold, be brave. You know, many of us have. It's what you do with that that's going to make the difference. Beloved, that needs to be brought to the cross right away. That needs to be forgiven because of the blood of Jesus. You need to forgive that brother and sister so it doesn't destroy you. You see, if you don't deal with it, that will destroy you. The second thing that he says is lay aside all deceit. Your King James Version says all guile. And deceit or guile, it's it's a deliberate dishonesty bringing or coming from trickery or or treachery within the life you're purposefully dishonest this word has the idea of the sleight of hand you've seen those guys where they have the three little cups and little ball in between and they're kind of moving them all around the table and they ask you okay where is the ball now they are purposefully deceiving you They desire to deceive you, and that's what this whole idea is. And for believers to be that way with another believer or to be that way in any form or fashion, beloved, that's outside of the heart and the mind and the purpose of Christ in our lives. Peter says, man, we ought not treat people that way, particular believers. Thirdly, he says, lay aside all hypocrisy. I I really like the word hypocrisy. Now, it's a horrible lifestyle. I don't like the lifestyle. But I, I like the word because the word itself, the meaning of it is so clear as to what it actually is. More than just the words of someone who is a hypocrite, the actions actually are the overwhelming thing of a hypocrite. Not just words, but actually the actions of the individual. The word actually comes from the ancient Greek and Roman culture where during that time as they did dramas or plays, an individual, a single actor, at one point in time, they can have on the smiling face and they're, they're looking real good and they say their lines with a smiling face and then they can change it. And then they can be the evil person. One person could be multiple personalities on a one-man play that way. You can be the protagonist, the good guy at one moment, and then the antagonist at just the very second moment, simply by changing the masks that you wear. And the unfortunate reality is, is within the church, we have that. We have that. And Peter says, man, that ought not be. Don't even be that way. The openness that needs to be there. Some render hypocrisy with the idea of to cover up one's faults or a pretense of goodness. And isn't that really how we do that when we're playing the hypocrite? We normally don't play the hypocrite and pretend to be bad. 
Okay. Well, I'm really a nice guy, but I'm going to pretend to be bad for a little bit. That's usually not the way it works. It's usually because our heart isn't right and we pretend to be good. That's something that needs to go before the Lord and change the very internal working of the heart. The fourth thing, the fourth sin that he speaks about is lay aside all envy. The main concept or thought behind envy is, is this idea of jealousy. Not the romantic kind of jealousy. It has to do with more of a resentment or a hatred over somebody's position or over something that someone has. One version describes it as to desire another person's happiness. Not that I see, oh, you're so happy. I wish I had that same kind of happiness. No, you're so happy and I want to take it from you so that I can have it. That's that kind of envy. The Lord is blessing you so much. I wish he wouldn't bless you. I wish he'd bless me instead. That kind of a thing. It's not like, oh man, I wish I had the same blessings of the Lord as you. What what I need to do in my life to experience that and see it? No, I want to take it from you and pull it to me. The Lord blessed you in this area. The Lord gave you something in this area. Oh, I want that in my life. Total disregard of you in your life or even resentment or hatred toward you. The fifth thing that he says is you need to lay aside evil speaking. Again, this kind of speaking, uh, it, it, it comes about to, to, to defame or, or, or belittle the character of an individual. Some writers translate it this way. It means to shoot people with your words. To shoot people with your words. Or to spoil someone's honor with evil words. The idea of slander and and gossip, both of them working together in in different ways, either spreading true things about an individual in order that, again, they might be harmed because of what's going on in their life, or making up stuff about an individual so that they might be harmed even by your lie. You know, everything you know about everybody doesn't need to be shared with everybody else. I just want to let you know that, okay, in case you don't know that. Oh, listen, need to, I, I just want to share with you so that you can be praying with me. You know, this and this is going on in their lives. You're not really sharing a prayer request. If you're just sharing a prayer request, just say, hey, be praying for the Landrys. Be praying for the, the Joneses. Be praying for the Smiths. Be, be praying for... And you don't need to lay out all the laundry before everybody else. But that kind of puts you in a different position, doesn't it? It kind of puts you... Uh, over all of that when you can kind of share their sins and their problems. As I said earlier, all, all of these sins, all of them, they're more than just personal sins. These are sins against others. They impact others. And when you stop and think about it, these are the very sins that were committed against our Lord Jesus Christ when they came and arrested him, put him on trial, and they crucified him. The, the Jewish leadership, they were moved by envy. And so they committed malice, this hostility with evil intent toward Jesus. Judas Iscariot, one of his followers, through deceit and through hypocrisy, betrayed the Lord. 
And that is very trial. These wicked men were brought up with false testimony, this evil speaking against Christ. And then before Pilate, the Jewish leadership slandered Christ. And all of this in their effort to destroy the very word, the very truth of God. That's why Peter says here, he says, lay these things aside. And then in verse 2, he says, and as newborn babies or babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow therefore or thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Now, most of us have seen newborn babies, right? You know, just very, there's a particular thing about newborn babies. About every two hours or so, this sudden urge overwhelms them. And then this sweet, precious little thing. Feed me! Feed me now! Not later, I need to be fed now! And nothing's going to stop that until you feed him. And he'll go on intensely, intense, and more and more intense. Ain't nobody sleeping during that time. And daddy, if you are sleeping, you're in such trouble. That baby needs to be fed. And when I think about it that way, then I'm really convicted about the lack of desire that I have for the word. Does it hit me like that? Does it hit me to the point that, man, nothing else is going to satisfy me. Don't put no stinking pacifier in my mouth. I, I don't, don't fill me up with the garbage of this world. Don't let me get involved with everything else. No, I just need to spend time. Just need to spend time in his word. Not only should we have a desire for the word of God, but we need to desire the purity of the word of God. Not altered, not adulterated by some false doctrine, by some bad or shallow feel-good type of a teaching. Those that would come with the word of God with an absolute wrong understanding of what it's really declaring, that's not going to help us grow. At the very best, that's going to stunt your growth or deform you in your growth. You and I, we need to hear and go to the pure milk of the word. If we feed ourselves with false doctrine, with bad teachings, with wrong understandings of the word, coming out of either Bible teachers or fellow believers, let me ask you, are you able to discern truth? From falsehood? Are you able to hear something that someone is speaking, either as as an individual or as, as, as a preacher or a proclaimer of the word, radio, TV, wherever it might be? Are you able to listen to something and say, whoa, that's not true in God's word. You know, the only way that you and I can do that. Now, granted, the Holy Spirit does help us. And if he wasn't in our lives helping us to discern truth, we would be in a lot of trouble. But... For you and I to know the truth from falsehood, we need to know the truth. That means we need to be students of the word. So that when a word that's spoken is is out of line or out of context or uh, away from the, the fullness and the balance of what the scripture says, all of a sudden red flags start flying up. 
All of a sudden, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. You know, I, I need to check that. We need to be like the Bereans were, who when they heard the Apostle Paul preaching and teaching, they would go home in the evenings and they would look through the scriptures to see if these things are so. And beloved, I'm going to tell you right now, whether it be me preaching or anyone else from this pulpit, you need to be discerners of the truth. You need to grow in your personal understanding of the word of God so that even someone that you trust doesn't lead you astray. So whether it's from this pulpit or from a radio or from a television or from another pulpit or from a brother or sister in Christ, you need to be discerners of the truth. You and I can never be those that come into a teaching or a preaching of the word. We come in, we grab a funnel, we plug it into our head and just say, well, pour me full. There better be a filter on there. There better be a filter. We as believers, he says, if indeed you've tasted that the Lord is gracious. We need to be continually checking the word as it's taught. To see if those things are true, to see if they're right, to see if they're in agreement with the balance of scripture. That's why you need to be educated in the word of God. That's one of the reasons why we even it, it, we we go through verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. Because I'm going to tell you right now, if you don't know it already, this may be news flash to some of you. If all you're doing is topical type teachings, you can pick a verse here, pick a verse there, and pick a verse there, and make it say pretty much whatever you want it to say. Now, I'm not totally against topical teachings because every once in a while they are good, but they've got to be within the balance of God's word. You cannot simply say, well, look, it says right there, Judas hung himself. And then over here, it says, now go thou and do likewise. You can't do that. It's out of context. That's why it's got to be a balance of the word. We is the body of Christ. It's so important for you and I to be men and women of integrity, men and women of truth, men and women with a sincere heart, men and women who desire the word of God in our life to grow from our personal study of the word of God. And we need to be men and women who are willing to lay off, to put off, to cast aside malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, evil speaking. How do we deal with our brothers and sisters in Christ? We deal with them in an abundance of grace. We have to deal with grace. Because I'm going to fail you. You're going to fail each other. You're going to fail me. We're going to, we're going to say things and do things that will offend and, and, and up, upset each other. So I need to deal with grace. I can't come back. Man, okay, you know, tit for tat. You know, eye for an eye. I'm going to get back at you. No, man, that's, that's, that's not where we're at in Christ. In Christ, we need to honor him because he died for all our sin. He paid the debt for our wickedness. And he offered to us life everlasting. We'd simply by faith turn to him. And beloved, if we've been forgiven so much, how much more should we forgive one another? Jane.
Standing strong in the midst of persecution is a theme throughout the New Testament. Many of the newly created churches faced opposition from the world around them and were in danger of turning away from their faith due to these confrontations. It isn't a surprise that the book of 1 Peter also addresses this subject. Peter wanted to encourage new believers and remind them of the truth they had learned, that Jesus lived and died for the salvation of every person on earth. Sadly, persecution didn't die out through the ages. The enemy is still doing his best to derail the message of the gospel. Today, we want you to be encouraged as well. As a follower of Jesus, you will face persecution sooner or later. Stand firm in your faith, leaning on Jesus' truth for your source of strength and comfort. One way you can find support and encouragement in any season of your life is by getting involved in a local church. With that in mind, Pastor David has an invitation for you. Well, I hope that today's message has encouraged you in your faith. It's given you a hunger to learn more about God. If you're in the Casa Grande area, you're looking for a church to attend, I'd be honored to have you join us here at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande. You can find directions and service times by visiting theopenword.com and following the links to our church homepage. We welcome you to be a part of our time of worshiping our Savior and studying the words of the Bible verse by verse, growing closer to Him each week. Thanks, Pastor David, and thank you for tuning in today to The Open Word.